the next stop, Sprawlcast. You're listening to Sprawlcast. My name is Jeremy Clausus, and I'm the editor-in-chief of The Sprawl. And Sprawlcast is a show made in collaboration with CGSW 90.9 FM in Calgary. We are broadcasting slash podcasting from Treaty 7 territory. Sprawlcast is a show for curious Albertans who want more than the daily news grind. We go deep to bring you stories you won't hear anywhere else. Stories like this one. They don't seem to care about people, and it's um, it's frightening, it's disappointing, it's, uh, it's not nice to see at all. As public opinion sours on Jason Kenney's UCP government, there are a lot of frustrated folks in Alberta right now. Many are digging in and fighting for what they believe in, like protecting the eastern slopes from coal development and fighting for public health care and education. Some are staying to fight, but others have taken another path, and understandably so. Last summer, Hadil Abdelnabi did a sprawl cast about Albertans who are leaving the province behind. And those stories seemed to really strike a nerve with folks. It really resonated. In fact, that episode is, by far, our most downloaded sprawl cast ever. Hadil was the sprawl's staff writer intern last summer. Now, interestingly, she's left Alberta too, at least for now. Last fall, she moved to Toronto to work at CBC News, where she got a prestigious scholarship for an internship there. And our readers and listeners still talk about Hadil's work. In fact, when we surveyed our members last month on whose work they watch out for in the sprawl, Hadil's name came up numerous times. Well, you're in luck. Because Hadil made a part two to her popular episode on people leaving Alberta. She recorded it in September, and it's never been aired. Until now. I've had it in the queue for months, but there was always another story or something else to attend to, and so this episode kept getting bumped. But as I listened to it again this week, I was struck by how timely these conversations are in light of everything that's happening in Alberta right now. Okay, I'm going to turn it over to Hadil Abdelnabi. If you listened to the last episode, you'd know that my friend moved to Toronto recently. I said that it was bittersweet, and I think I should explain that feeling. I'm so glad that he's found an opportunity that will allow him to start his life and career, but the bitter part is something I've been thinking about a lot lately. I'm heading out east in a few weeks too, and even though my move is temporary, it's not like I haven't thought about leaving Alberta for good. In fact, I've always known that I'd end up leaving eventually, but on my own terms. And that's a privilege I have that many Albertans don't. Thinking about that puts a lot in perspective for me. Moving out of necessity takes away autonomy, and being physically, financially, and emotionally able to highlights a whole set of other privileges. I guess what I'm getting at is this is a big conversation. It's complex and multifaceted, and I think it's been bubbling under the surface for a while now. But the fact that it's happening should set off alarm bells for our leadership that it's time to listen. At least that's what I gathered after reading some of the comments about the last episode on Reddit and Facebook. Here are a few that stood out to me. It's a regular conversation in our household. Alberta doesn't have the optimistic vibe it used to have, and I believe it's a direct reflection of Alberta's leadership. 
I often ask myself whether it's healthy or fair to raise my kids in a place where I am teaching them opposite values. I moved to BC in June, not at all interested in living and teaching in Alberta any longer. If I had not just purchased my first home one month before the UCP were voted in, I'd be looking for greener pastures in another province or even another country. Born and raised here and am leaving as soon as I can. So whether you love Alberta and you're sticking it out through all of this, or you're considering leaving with a heavy heart, or you hate it here and you're done with this province altogether, or you've already left, you're not alone. I had the chance to speak with Shay Anderson. He was the Minister of Municipal Affairs under the NDP government and the MLA for Leduc Beaumont. But right now, he's back in his hometown of Duncan, B.C., indefinitely. Thank you so much for joining me, Shay. Yeah, no problem. No, it's my pleasure. Yeah, it's great to have you on. Can you tell me a little bit about what took you further west? Um, well, I'm here for, um, from here originally, from Duncan, born and raised in Duncan. Um, and my wife and I moved out to, to Alberta, to Edmonton in um, 2003-4. Um, just for something different, we, uh, we wanted to go out there for a new challenge and, and work. And we thought we'd stay there for a few years and, uh, and then come back to, to the island and to the ocean. But uh, as luck would have it, we had good jobs and then we had one kid and then we had another kid. <laughs> so we stuck around for, stuck around for quite some time, but, um, but a couple of the things for us, I mean, one uh, for us, family is really big uh, and we're, it's very important to us. And we both have in particular myself, we have big families here. Uh, most of our families are in Duncan and Lady Smith and Nanaimo and Victoria, but mostly in the Duncan area. And so over the last, you know, three or four years, we kind of noticed like how much we were uh, coming back here and everything we kind of did was coming back here and bringing the kids back to see the cousins and aunts and uncles and things like that. Um, and then my wife's stepfather passed away uh, just over a year ago and it really kind of put things in perspective for us. And then COVID hit and, and it just kind of, everything seemed to be leaning, leaning to uh, coming back home here to, to the family. So finally a job came up uh, with TELUS. I work at TELUS uh, and um, a job to work on the island. So I applied for the transfer and got it. So mm -hmm. here, here we are. And can you tell me a little bit about that decision, making the, the move back home, that is? What was it like for you and your family? Yeah, well, it's it's a bit hard because, you know, my wife's a professional. She's a respiratory therapist and um, she has a phenomenal job at the Mazankowski Heart Institute um, and has been there for 17 years. Right. And it's uh, it's tough when you're going to leave something you've known for that long. Um, we knew that when we came back this way, it would be me having to get a job first because the way that the healthcare works is, you know, you come out and you basically you start casual and then you kind of get into the system. So it would be a little bit trickier because she would have to do that. And I could do, I could uh, transfer with TELUS. So we knew it was going to be tough, you know, and then having to put the house up and um, stage the house and, and uh, move everything that we've had for <laughs> almost 17 years out there. Um, though we've, we, you know, we obviously got rid of a lot of things and had a fun garage sale and stuff, but, uh, yeah, the decision I think was stressful, um, and, and scary, but exciting. And, and we knew it was the right thing in particular. My boys are 12 and, and 10. 
Um, and so my 12 year old was going into grade seven anyway. So he's going to be changing schools. Uh, my 10 year old's pretty adaptable and easygoing, kind of like myself. And so we thought, you know what? It's, it's always going to be a tough time to do it. <laughs> so mm -hmm. let, let's do it now when all the grandparents and everybody are still young and vibrant. And uh, there's lots of people around to help out when we do need it. Um, even though we're pretty self-sufficient, it was something that made it a little bit easier in that respect. But yeah, moving is exciting, but it's also pretty, uh, pretty stressful. So mm -hmm. for sure. And so this this has been a recent move, but was there any sort of political influence that played a part in that decision? Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously I'm I'm frustrated and disappointed, incredibly disappointed with what is going on with the government in Alberta. They I mean, their attacks on the public sector and unions and healthcare and education is just disgusting to me. And and it seems everything they do is on the backs of the most vulnerable Albertans to help all their corporate buddies and give tax cuts to all the corporations that we've seen hasn't done anything and has made uh, people flee Alberta. You know, like you look at all the doctors that are leaving and it's, um, it's terrible. Like I feel really, you know, honestly bad for a lot of people I know there, people that I worked with and, you know, the municipalities I worked with that are getting, um, they're getting, you know, cut left and right. And, and so it's hurting uh, people. Uh, and that was part of the reason why I got into politics. So that's, that's disappointing to see. Um, and then also, you know, with my kids, I mean, they're in school and you're cutting teachers and EAs and, and staff and uh, forcing privatization of schools. Well, I don't want my, my kids in a, in an area that does that. And my wife's in healthcare. So constant attacks on her and her profession and, and people in that area was uh, unacceptable to me. So, you know, that also played a part in us saying, you know what, there's, there's more respect out here. Um, the government respects our public sector folks, people that are on the ground and during a horrible crisis uh, that we're still in. Um, and this government out here actually recognizes that a little more and, and is putting funds towards it and trying to help. I mean, no government's perfect in this in this area. I mean, it's, it's a tough time, but you know, that, that was part of our decision. We just said, you know what, we can't, we can't put our kids and I didn't want to put my wife through more stress at work, like with a government that doesn't care about them. So yeah, that was part of it. Um, and it's unfortunate, but, and you know, I like fighting the good fight and trying to help people, but, um, you know, I got to put my family first. So that's, that's where the final decision lay. Yeah, of course. And you talked a little bit about respect. What, I guess, from from your perspective and having that political background, what has the difference been like living in Duncan and living in Alberta um, in terms of if the government and how that feels? Yeah, I mean, you can just see in what goes on in 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 the news and what's being talked about out on on social media from people in both provinces, right? Like, you know the the constant attacks in, in Alberta from the government from not only elected officials but all their staffers you know publicly harassing in particular women uh, online educated women uh, online and, and just going after them nonstop I mean it's absolutely dis disgusting I, I just can't even I can't even believe that the, that it's being allowed to happen and that the UCP supporters uh, are just you know, turning a blind eye. Well, okay. You know, we're, we're we want jobs and economy and pipeline. Well, you didn't get that either. 
you know, none of that. All you're doing is getting corporate tax cuts and then those companies are leaving, right? And so seeing that kind of stuff is is horrible. And when you come out here, um, like I said, no government's perfect, but the BC government here is is putting money in, in, in education and technology and innovation and tourism and forestry and, and like and healthcare and like trying to do the best they can um, to help people. I mean, there's been so many announcements about uh, public housing recently from the government here. It's incredible, you know? And, and so when you see a government that is actively trying to help the people and listen to the people, that's a good thing. You know, these, you know, I was an elect official. It's a privilege and it's an honor to be there. Uh, it's not about power. Uh, it's not about being in the newspaper or being on TV or anything like that. It's about trying to help people. And that's a complete, complete different um, scenario in the government in Alberta right now. They just, they don't seem to care about people. And it's, um, it's frightening. It's disappointing. It's, uh, it's not nice to see at all. Mm -hmm. And you do have an interesting perspective because as you say, like you were in it and you've, you've lived it. What, what do you think they could do differently? The UCP government, what would be productive sort of something that would, I guess, inspire some more confidence from people who are thinking of leaving? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I think that, you know, one, they could stop all the constant attacks on, on public sector folks. Um, they always talk about uh, one taxpayer, um, this, this conservative man, mantra that they talk about. Well, yeah, you're right. You know, everybody that's got a job is paying taxes. So you should treat everybody fairly and everybody the same. Every job has dignity. Every person should have respect. Um, and so, you know, I think that, rather than giving tax cuts to multinational corporations that just take the money, uh, don't put it back into our economy in the province, and then fire a whole bunch of workers that are decimating communities and then leave. I mean, put that money into social programs, into housing, into age, like attacking disabled Albertans. Like, are you kidding me? I just, I am dumbfounded by what is happening with that. Put the money into that. You know, uh, index it back to inflation, bring it up a bit, you know, look at something like a universal basic income. I mean, I know that's normally a federal issue, but programs like that are, are in supports into mental health or supervised consumption sites. Um, you know, I do appreciate, you know, funding that goes into uh, infrastructure. Those are, those are usually pretty good jobs, solid jobs in that community, but they're also are short-term jobs, right? So you look at you know, a green economy and a green transition. Well, there's a ton of opportunity in Alberta, whether it be from, um, you know, wind or solar or geothermal, geothermal uh, or what have you. And these jobs are all going to be in rural areas. The energy is there now. You talk about an energy province. Oil and gas has done amazing things and helped a lot of communities in a lot of respects. Yes, but the world is changing. And the longer that government keeps their head in the sand and puts their fingers in the ears and doesn't want to believe what what corporations and, and massive institutions around the world are saying, the, the worse off that province is going to be and the further behind the eight ball they're going to be, you know. And it's, it's unfortunate to see because there's a lot of amazing people in that province, a lot of amazing communities with abilities to do things that have never been done in this world, you know. And, and so I just... 
I wish they would listen to the people more, um, put people over ideology. Uh, and that goes for every political party. I mean, I know that every political party has their own ideas and views and ideologies, and that's how we are as human beings. But to to be so blind to what is hurting people um, is just is either pure ignorance uh, or you just don't care, you know. And so it's uh, take your pick. Uh, I know where I I stand on it. I don't think they care about the people. They just care about their big donors. But hey, who am I? You know, I was just a minister and an MLA involved in the system. So what do I know about it? Sorry, that's a big rant for you. No, that's that's okay. <laughs> no, that's great. Uh, well, it's not it's not great, obviously, but um, yeah, I'm glad that you you said that because I feel like there are there's a lot of fear in this province. Um, there's mm-hmm. fear about speaking out or saying something that a lot of other people might be thinking, and um, that overall is just very silencing. Mm-hmm. Well, and and it's nice to see, you know, like um, with a lot of the doctors that have sta- started to stand up, right, and um, and come together and realize, you know, we're only as strong as our weakest link, and we need to stand together and not be silenced and not be afraid. And that this UCP government is all about silencing critics, right? And we've seen it time and again. And and if people realize that they have the power, right? you elected these officials, hold them to account, you know, make sure that they're spending money wisely. You might not always agree with where they put the money they might have information as all governments do that a lot of public doesn't have behind the scenes, but stand up together. Don't let them silence you. You know, this misogyny and all this garbage that comes from some of their staffers, like it is unbelievable that this is allowed to happen uh, and I just think that the more people that stand up, like you see all the teachers standing up and um, you see uh, even I was happy to see some of the municipalities starting to speak out about the assessments and things like that. You know, I talked to a few mayors and councillors and said, listen, when I was minister, you didn't hesitate to speak to me about things and speak up about even the smallest thing, which was great. We might not have always agreed on everything, but having that open dialogue and conversation about how to move forward, you know, like understand our history and where we came from and the issues we're having, but now how do we move forward? How do we actually work for people and make sure that we do things that are, are positive in our communities? Because there's a lot more good in this world than bad, you know, and a lot more of us uh, agree on a lot of things to help people than we don't. And so the sooner we can all sit down together and actually realize that, uh, the better it's going to be for, for the people. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I try to stay optimistic as much as I can, uh, but it's it's tough sometimes, right? I mean, like I said, I worry about about folks out there and and communities that I know were struggling before, um, and COVID's made it even worse for them, you know. So, mm-hmm. and to that point about feeling like you can stand up and say something, and the government making it known that they're open to listen or at least attempting to, what would you say to people who feel like they're dealing with political burnout? Maybe people who have spoken up and haven't been listened to or people who are afraid to. Yeah. You know, it is tough, right? Because you, you fight so long and you feel like you're just banging your head against a wall, right? You're exhausted. You're tired. I mean, people are upset and and rightly so, right? They don't feel like their voices are being heard. Um, And, you know, for me, I think it's, one of the things I'm on Twitter, I'm not on Facebook anymore, but um, 
you know, when I see like-minded in individuals, whether they be um, center, center left, left, you know, for in, in from my perspective, right, um, getting together and understanding that there's a lot of us out there that are concerned, and then talking to each other, right, going offline and talking about some things, and um, just being there to support each other when you need it is a big deal, right? And so, finding these communities uh, of like-minded individuals that are willing to back you. Uh, if you do, for example, do some say something on uh, on social media, uh, is a good thing, right? And we can't let anonymous trolls and people that are maybe a little bit ignorant of some facts uh, dictate what goes on. Because you always, you know, you always hear the loud voices. I always tell my boys that you're going to hear the loud voices. But there's more good people than bad, and there's a lot more good out there than bad, and we got to highlight that. And so. For the people that are getting burnt out, I mean, I think taking a break on it, um, particular social media can be good. Uh, you know, taking a, even just a week or even a few days away from that kind of thing, just to refresh yourself, you know, realize that, you know, your family and your friends and, and the people around you that care about you are the, are the ones that really matter. And, and that's why you're doing it, right? And why everybody that's out there speaking up is doing that because they care. Um, and it's hard for folks like that like I, I know that a lot of times I felt burnt out you care so much and you want to help so badly and you just don't understand how other people don't seem to feel that way um but for me it's like don't spend your energy on those people that don't care uh try to be positive as much as you can and just lean on people around you that's what they're there for you know we this whole you know pull yourself up by your bootstraps and do everything on your own. Well, some people weren't born with bootstraps to begin with. So, mm-hmm. you know, we, we have evolved as societies in communal groups and tribes and clans and things like that for a reason, because we need to help each other. Right. And that is not a sign of weakness. That's a sign of strength. And I think that uh, there needs to be more of that togetherness um, and even across political boundaries. You know, we got a lot more in common than we don't. So uh, reach out on, on things that are of concerns to you, you know, and, and try to bridge those gaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great advice just um, in general. Um, but also, I think what people might need to hear, especially right now, feeling like everything is sort of crumbling around us and where uh, everything is so divided. At least that's mm-hmm. what I've seen in Alberta. Um, yeah. What would bring you back to the province, if anything? I know that the political scene wasn't the the sole driving factor for the decision, but if there was something to bring you back here, what would have to change? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I mean, I think we're this is our <laughs> our final big move, right back to the island. Um, but if if, for example, we were looking back that way, um, you know. Well, the one big thing for me that that we always appreciated was the people and the, the friends and and folks that we met out there, right? I have we, my wife and I and my kids have some amazing people that we love and will continue to be friends with and close to and come back and visit. Um, but as somebody maybe as an outsider looking in and saying, okay, well, what what are the benefits for me to go there? What's going on? Um, I think we need a government back in in Alberta, uh, whether that be the NDP or, or 
a, a different conservative party or liberals. I mean, obviously I, I lean towards the NDP, <laughs> um, but, but a, a government that's back in that actually cares about the people and that is willing to, uh, to listen and actually um, not just put money into programs, but work with people on programs that, that will move our, our communities forward and actually benefit people, you know, and, and also I think that um, there needs to be more reconciliation with first nations out there. Um, there's been some good work um, across different political parties, to be honest. Um, but I think that's a big one for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Just, and, and the recognition that, uh, you know, it's a, it's a good province to live in, right. There's a lot of amazing um, opportunities out there, regardless of what industry you're in. Uh, the, the prairies are beautiful. The mountains are beautiful. Like it's, uh, I just think that the, something needs to change to, to bring people together again, you know, and, and realize we're all in this together and that's a big ask. And that's a big, a big thing to do. Um, and it's not going to happen overnight, but, um, as I said before, bridging those gaps and understanding that, um, you know, we all need somebody to lean on at some point in our lives and, uh, that's okay. And, um, you know, that we need to do that. <laughs> so, like I say, it's a tall task. Um, but you know, it's, um, it's something needs that polarization needs to, uh, go by the wayside. Um, and people need to be able to talk about, their ideas and political views and without, you know, immediately getting angry and hating each other because you have the color orange or you have the color blue or green or red. I mean, we're human beings, right? That's, that's it. Well, we love, we hurt. We're all the same. Are you planning on getting back into politics anytime soon or in the future? Yeah, yeah, I'd love to, you know, I I really miss it. It was, um, it was something that I, I really, really enjoyed. Uh, helping people was is always something I've done in my life and, and tried to do. And so being in politics, I wasn't sure what it was going to be like, you know, it was pretty new for me. Um, but I found that just my nature of trying to bring people together and help uh, was, uh, was beneficial to me. And, and I hope to, to people around me that I helped helped out and that my staff and our team worked with. So, yeah, I miss it a lot. I miss working with people. And, and so when I moved out here, I was looking at um, what was going on in BC and understanding um, the next election. I think the, it was supposed to be October 21. I believe the provincial election is here. Um, and so, yeah, I've, I've reached out to some people. Um, I'm actually, I just went to a meeting for our federal NDP representative the other day. I'm now uh, a member at large um, on the constituency association or riding association, I guess. Um, and I've been talking to a couple of folks here that are thinking of running in the provincial election. And, and so, you know, if it's, um, if they call an early one here in BC, I, I, you know, I don't think I have time to, to get ready for it, but um, if there's definitely, if there's one next year, that's my intention to put my hat in the ring. And, and if the provincial one doesn't work out, then I'll look at federal because I'm not done with it. I feel like I have a lot of energy and I'm still fairly young uh, and want to, um, yeah. Want to want to keep trying to work to to change things and show my kids you you stand up for what you believe in and try to help people. End of line.
Thanks for listening and see you again soon. listening to Sprawlcast. I'm Jeremy Clausus, the editor-in-chief of The Sprawl, and this episode was hosted by Hadil Abdelnabi, who you just heard. You can find part one of this series on our website or wherever you listen to podcasts. That episode is called The Albertans Who Are Fleeing the Province. If you're a fan of Sprawlcast, please consider leaving a review on iTunes or wherever else. It'd be good to get a few fresh reviews up there. Make sure you're following us on social media. We're at Sprawl Calgary on all the main platforms. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Our theme music is by Dan D. Augustino and Kenny Murdoch. Our C-Train narrator is Holly McConnell. Thanks for listening and see you next time. <laughs>